Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. You are about to enter the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast on shockwaveskullsessions.com. And now your host, Bob Nalbandian. Well, good. I'm glad that you guys are connected once again. We never speak with them. <laughs> I've never heard of this man whatsoever. All right. Well, this special Shockwave Skull Sessions, I think we'd do something a little bit different to promote uh, Johnny Z's new book, his audio book. Of course, we interviewed Johnny not too long ago regarding his book, Heavy Tales, The Metal, The Music, The Madness, as lived by John Zazula. And, uh, now- and this. Go ahead, John Gallagher. You have something to promote, yes? That's right. I have my new uh, my new lane of uh, tutus. <laughs> oh, I want one. Heavy metal ballet for the masses. <laughs> no, you do have a new record coming out, though. Correct, John? New Raven. Yeah, we have a brand new album called Metal City coming out in September. All right. So, what better way? Then to get you both on together, since you guys uh, basically created the metal industry together, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Nobody Why not? <laughs> Nobody else at all. Just John and John and John. That's right. The two Johns. Right, the Johns. <laughs> and of course, Johnny Z, your new audiobook will feature two hours, two hours of bonus material. So uh, definitely something to look it's forward actually, to. It's actually almost two and a half hours, and I think... The bonus material is more fun than the book. All right. Now, is that from the radio show you did, the Brothers Grimm, or is it uh, additional bonus material? No, no. I I went on Brothers Grimm uh, radio show over 10 weeks. They asked me live on the air 10 questions, uh, some of them really brutal, uh, a week. And there was 100 questions when it was over. About 11 were redundant. So we kept 89 for the bonus material. Oh, wow. And you have someone on the air asking me the questions and me answering them. It's a little more fun than just a Q&A because I have interviews, you know, and John and Gallagher has interviews all over the place that people could listen to. But for some reason, this collection uh, came out really well. Yeah, it makes a difference when people have got smart questions and they're you know, and they, they bounce off each other and you can go places where maybe you haven't been before. It helps. Yeah. John, somebody asked me, what's my favorite color? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one. 
Uh, that was a good I've, one. What's I've, I've the haven't heard that one in about three minutes. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a color, but the answer is black. <laughs> yeah, black. The black soul of my fists pounding your face into submission for asking that. <laughs> you guys haven't changed at all, man. I uh, was acquainted with the both of you very early on. Of course, John Gallagher with Raven one of the leaders of the new wave of British heavy metal. And we uh, got acquainted early on with my fanzine, The Headbanger, the same way I got acquainted with uh, Johnny Z and his label Megaforce. And uh, uh, around that time, um, you know, during the new wave of British heavy metal, you had certain bands, of course, Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, Saxon and Motorhead, if you want to consider them part of the new wave of British heavy metal, they were none of them. None of them. Don't forget, don't forget Duran Duran and Duran Duran, of course, the leaders. They were they were right up there. <laughs> I guess they were the forerunners, right? That's right. They were they were the uh, they were the poor They were the janitors of the new wave of heavy metal. Right. And I believe Raven was one of the first uh, new wave of British heavy metal bands to get a deal. Outside of the bands I mentioned, and there were a couple others, of course, Tigers of Pantang and uh, uh, more, and a couple others that had uh, major labels here in America. Our first album, Rock Until You Drop, that was the first independent heavy metal album in England. Really? Because I was going to say, that was yeah. super All the others on. were on majors. We also was the first album that was independent. It was a lot of singles. You know, the Tigers had the first you know, like metal, single, or neat. And Rock and Roll Man. single after that, but we had the first album, yeah. Wow. And Bob? Yeah? We couldn't keep Rock Until You Drop on our shelves at Rock and Roll Heaven. Everybody just, they waited for it, you know? It was a big, big record for us. For a, a small label being the first independent release on a, on a, a metal label, that album really got a huge buzz in America. I remember reading about Raven and the first Kerrang! and Armed and Ready, and that's what got my attention. And from then, it just spread yeah, grassroots, like, underground. It was like a perfect storm with our album. I mean, we actually got like a five-star review in Sounds, which was like, you know, right before Crime Sounds, well, it was about the same time, but Sounds was like the weekly music paper. <coughs> and mm -hmm. that was like a huge deal. And we all said to each other, I bet that's the last time we'll ever get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Johnny, how did how did you uh, end up getting Raven to uh, come over to Megaforce? Was that uh, through a license deal with Neat? Well, all for one. Johnny, well, Gallagher and Gallagher <laughs> and Hunter came over to do some shows. You know, they did the great Headbanger Ball, and they played the most unbelievable show you would have ever seen in your life. At the Brooklyn Zoo, and you know, which was a great venue in in Brooklyn, it, it went up against Lamore's, and yep. there were many other shows. They just killed, and I developed a relationship with their British label. Uh, they had a fellow who ran it called Dave Wood. Right. Raven already had wiped out, out and doing well in the states, but they had this record all for one coming out. And I must tell you, it, it sounded amazing, didn't it, John? <laughs> well, it still it still does. It does. Yeah, it still I mean, does. As far yeah. as like an audio thing, it, it knocks you on the head the first note. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good sounding record, and, and I was so keen to have Raven and do business with Raven and, and all that. So I mean, it's history. But you know, we we did the deal with Neat to do this album and. Uh, 
what can I say? It was a it was a wonderful thing that we did, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank and, then, and from and from then on, you said, uh, "Let's get away from that freaking guy," and we <laughs> we came over to the states. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, you moved to New Jersey not long after, correct, John? The whole band. That's right. Yeah. Of all the places in the United States, we moved to New Jersey. This was around the same time. I mean, the the first two. Records I remember on on uh, the label were of course Metallica's Kill 'Em All and Ravens All for One, and then you guys, the both bands, got together for the Kill 'Em All for One, uh, where Metallica opened for Raven. Well, what you have to realize, Bob, is that Raven were bigger than Metallica. Sure, sure. They sold more records than Metallica, and uh, basically were a little more together than Metallica. So. You know, uh, it was it was no question as to the way it was going to run every night. And the tour was brilliant because Metallica were on their game and, and played to kill. And every night, Raven, uh, John, forgive me, but Raven had to go on after that. And they went on every night and fucking killed. Definitely. Well, that's, you know, that's I mean, the, the way. Energy, and that's the, the way a rock show is supposed to be. You're supposed to have a great opening band, and then you go out, and it's it's not it's like healthy competition. It's just say, like, okay, everyone's warmed up, and then you go out and do your thing, and everybody wins. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. It was a good good experience, except for the Winnebago, is what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling those stories, John. <laughs> Seventeen people. In a six-berth Winnebago and two trucks. <laughs> I, of course, saw that show at the Country Club in Los Angeles, and, and what you say is absolutely true. I mean, both bands were just on their game. And, of course, this was Raven's first tour of, uh, of America and Metallica's very first tour. And, and you're right. Both bands were just, you know, just ready to kick ass, just kick each other's ass. And that just made for... Uh, and that's what was great about those shows back then. There, Like you say, John, healthy competition. But it was the vibe, like, we're going to kick your ass tonight. No, we're going to kick your ass. And and that always made for the best shows. Uh, just, just what yeah, it yeah, man. The, the thing is, there was respect. I mean, mm. they... they you know, they were younger guys. They were a few years younger than us. It was their first tour. But, uh, you know, we all got on really well. You know, we loved what they were doing. They loved what we were doing. So that just made for a... It, it helped things along, certainly. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they uh, you were definitely a huge influence on, on Metallica, uh, especially when it came to the speed department. Uh, I think Raven were one of the very first bands. You know, this, of course, was before the term thrash metal, uh, I think Raven were one of the first bands that were actually termed speed metal, or as you called it, athletic rock. But here in the States, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, that's speed metal. Yeah, yeah you I know mean, what... we, we, we played fast, and there, there was a lot of, even more than that, I mean, obviously, bands just got faster and faster and faster and faster. But we had a lot of energy in a lot of parts, so there was a lot of excitement. And, uh, I mean, that's been our calling card since day one, and still is. That's what we do. Awesome. Revved up rock and roll. Well, let's get into the book, Johnny. Uh, was it? I, I know a lot of authors have difficulty doing an audio book because uh, uh, mm. they say it's it's pr pretty difficult. You're in the studio and you're basically reading. Was it? Uh, how was that experience for you, Johnny? Doing an audio book? Well, 
you know, I tried to keep it as real as possible. That's why we never, we didn't hire anybody to do it. I would have never done an audio book unless I did it in my own terrible voice. You know, <laughs> like uh, Gallagher will tell you half the time, you don't know what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> you got a sexy voice, Johnny. What are you talking about? I got a sexy voice. That's how I got Gallagher to sign the contracts. I said, oh, that must be good. Don't, Negotiation don't, skills. Negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> you so, talk so, a load so, of so, bullshit and hold a gun to my head, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is I. it took um, probably longer than anybody would imagine to do it. Because I had to take, my voice goes after about three hours. So I had to go back and back and back. So it took me about three days to actually get through it. And then a day or two just to edit a little bit because I, you know, made some mistakes. I tried to record it before this professional job in the studio with some friends. And then there was no way I could have put it out. I think Marshall would have had my nuts. <laughs> if, if I would have even attempted to, to say, oh, but it's natural. She said, it sucks. <laughs> All right. So we went to the studio. We did a good one. And, and that's, that's what we got now. And uh, it took two weeks. That's great. That's, that's pretty quick, I would think, uh, for an audio book. And you had Chuck Billy actually uh, do the audio for the forward, correct? Chuck did the audio for the forward. He wrote the forward. He turned out to be a uh, a wonderful friend and support through all these years. And uh, yeah, Chuck uh, did his bit. It's great. He sounds great. Oh, he's got some voice. The the chief is one of the good people on this planet. That's for sure. He's Absolutely. a good man. He's a good man, living a good life. I'm very proud of Chuck Billy. You did some touring together, right, John? Raven and the Testament. Yeah, uh, we, after the whole Atlantic debacle and whatever, and we got uh, Joe Hasselvander in on drums after Rob left, that was our first tour. We played with Testament across the States in the winter. It was freaking yeah. freezing. Yeah, we got on great with those guys. They were, uh, and we'd still, you know, see them now, now and again at festivals, uh, like last year, the year before we did too. Great guys. All right. Well, again, I, I got to emphasize, man, the two of you really helped mold and shape what heavy metal, particularly what became, you know, thrash metal uh, uh, today. And it's it's really historic to get you both on together because, uh, you know, that first album, uh, you know, All for One that came out, uh, you know, worldwide. And of course, one of Michael Wagner's early, uh, early productions, a uh, great sounding album. Absolutely, and of course, with Megaforce, one of the uh, the, the founding uh, uh, albums, uh, uh, you know, for, for independent here in the states. Talk a bit about those early days of Megaforce, uh, uh, Johnny. The the problem, as in the story or in the book, and John Gallagher knows me. The problem is, I just didn't have the money, and I always had to get the money because you couldn't do it without the money. So I had to constantly figure out ways to get money, money to press records, money to do advertisements, money to put bands on the road and help them on the road and supplement that, money to do this, money to do that, money for art. You know, it just was an impossible, impossible task. I mean, they tried to turn the electric off in my house many times, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, we made it through... All that. I mean, the bands had no money. I had no money. I mean, it was like we're all on a mission. It was like a, like a, almost like a revolution that was going on. Exactly. Anyway. I mean, 
That, that's, I mean, no one's done what John's done with, with that label. That was to do that in America. It's the absolute antithesis of how you would have a label. It really is. Because these major label guys were looking at him like, what the hell is wrong with him? How's he doing? And <laughs> by just sheer annoying them and beating up on them, these guys, you know, okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll license this one and then license the label. And then, you know, it, all, you know, it was completely different from then on out. I, I And uh, that's a good point because I want to emphasize people don't realize uh, – what a risk it was back then, especially in the United States, to have an independent label, because you're basically funding it all yourself, and none of the majors would touch a band like Raven or even Metallica back then. They laughed. But what at I it. didn't write in the book was that I wasn't getting paid for my sales that I was making mm. because I had a P and D deal, and they kept on taking the production of everything that was forthcoming in the current quarter. And I was selling so much that I never could catch up to myself. Man, it was insane. Was this a P&D deal with important distribution or not yeah. with me? Yeah, with important. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what's what's interesting, Johnny, a lot of people don't really know, it was you that spearheaded, because obviously afterwards, important got the idea, wow, we could do this in-house, and that's when they formed Combat Records. You were really, Megaforce was, a, was kind of what inspired that, I, I would think, no? What I wanted to do, because I had no money, was work with the owner of Importance Money, since I was already licensing to Europe to the people, the people who owned Important owned Music for Nations. Oh wow, I didn't, ah. didn't know that. I didn't know that. That was what Barry Coburn, Barry and Steve Mason, and of course right. Martin Steve Hooker. Steve Mason from... in England, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Steve was brilliant in the UK. They bought Pinnacle Distribution and they took over the UK with uh, Twisted Sister and Wasp. Right. And then Metallica exploded. Right. You know, like forget about it. There was no stopping. Talk about it, independent. Uh, I don't know what, where we're going with this, but oh, combat. So yeah. for a minute, <laughs> for a minute, I was going to try to work for Barry and get on a payroll and maybe support my family for once. And I talked to him about it, and he and gave him the idea of of a label, and Megaforce would still run, but combat would be what I'd A and R and I'd do it the magic with. Right. And I came in one day. And he said to me, I'd like to do it myself. And I said, <laughs> well, it broke my heart, but mm -hmm. I was already banking on paying my bills and, and my mortgage for once, you know? But anyway, that's how combat started. It, it was started with me and Barry talking about doing a label. But I never worried about anybody's, uh, about Brian. You know, I always wished him well. Uh, Barry and combat, I wished them well. You know, there was right. no sense to get in the huff about anything. I felt that Megaforce was doing tour support. Megaforce was doing, you put the band in the studio, you don't release their demo, you know, you give right. them a piece of product, you know. Anyway, it separated everybody from the pack, so I didn't worry about our identity. And then when we moved to Atlantic, you know, that really helped move everything along. You know, the only thing that I didn't like is that Atlantic was giving me a hard time working with my old band Raven and a partner I had. So that's another story, but I'm not getting into that. But Atlantic was very territorial about that project. 
We'll, we'll have John get into that in a bit, but I, I do want to mention, you know, you mentioned uh, Brian, of course, Brian Slagle with Metal Blade, and you had uh, uh, Mike Varney that had Shrapnel. And this, again, was total new territory, especially in the U.S., uh, having an independent label, uh, especially an independent metal label. And the interesting thing is both, you know, Brian Slagle and Mike Varney, they started their label through compilation records. They weren't even looking to, to really form a label. It just kind of happened, and it started from just... Just, you know, putting out demos on, on vinyl into a compilation record. Right, but right, I think right. your label, Johnny, it was really, uh, I mean, it was the most professional. It was like great production. You know, every, everyone was struggling for money then, but it seemed like you really had it together with, with the Kill 'em All for One record and as well as, you know, the Raven uh, album. All all for one. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Both of those albums were like, you know, uh, real releases because so many of the independent stuff there, even if you listen to some of the early Metal Blade and, and some of the early Shrapnel, no disrespect, but production wise, and it wasn't as professional, but I think you well, really. Well, that was, that was what it was all about. And you want to know something, Bob? I had no idea why I was doing it except for the love of the music. Mm. I think John will tell you, I just love music, you know, and I love metal. Right. That's the, that's the first I've ever heard of that. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it all was back then. That's why, you know, John did Raven. That's why I did my fanzine. It was, you know, I wasn't looking at making money. I never made any money, but it was just a love for metal and just, yeah, you know, pure, it was a passion. Pure passion. Pure passion Absolutely. on everyone's part. That That's really what it was. But I think the way John did the label, I mean, even though he'll, he'll tell you, you know, it was shoestring and, you know, everyone starving to death waiting for the next check coming in and all that. But on, on the outwardly, it looked absolutely super professional. Every release, there was high quality control. John put a band out that was like crap. Every band, and it was kind of the way Neat was when it started. It was like a market quality. It's like, oh, it's on this label. It's got to be good. It's yep. got to be good. And the, the kids really got into that. They, they really did. It was like, a, what's next on Megaforce? What's going to, you know, what's it going to be? And if, you know, Megaforce advertised, this is the new album by this band. You've never heard them, but it's great. Everyone would give it a shot. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, it was the, the branding was, was so important for a label. Like you said, if, if it was on Megaforce, you knew it was going to be heavy, it was going to be killer, whether it was the Raven, Manowar, Metallica, and, and same with Metal Blade and the others. You knew what to expect. It wasn't like, you know, uh, any other major label where they would have a pop band and a metal band. And, you know, it was you knew what you were getting into. You really built that brand for Megaforce. But I did stray in the later years because you know there's only one raven right there's only one metallica and then you get close with a testament and then you got an anthrax you know and and then you get a merciful fate and a man of war. i mean what else are you supposed to come up with you know it's all redundant it's all duplicitous it just doesn't make sense to me anymore so I went to it with Ed Trunk. We went for Ace Freely. You know, I said, well, let's do something groovy and interesting. But it wasn't any longer about just they keep the thrash, progressive, you know, speed metal. Well, the, the, like you said, the thing is, by that point, uh, it's like any other, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal or the grunge thing or whatever kind of movement you want to call it. You know, the, the first tier bands and maybe the second tier bands but then it just gets 
the other the other bands that are coming out are just ripping off the bands that went before. They're like right, the same shit. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought was so great about Megaforce is you really uh, had that diversity and, and artists, and you were really willing to take chances, like a band like King's X that yes. was groundbreaking. Of course, they never sold you know millions of records, but you know, according to every musician and, and, and press alike, they were, you know, one of the most, you know, influential bands of, of the late 80s uh, for so many uh, oh, uh, different yeah. artists. And a band like Blue Cheer that you got out of the dead, you know, you put, I mean, these these were the godfathers of, of hard rock and heavy metal and you put them kind of back on the map. So you really did uh, release some groundbreaking stuff. It was very smart and very cool of you to uh, kind of it, it reach was the boundaries. Till it killed me, you know what I mean? Talk because, about that a bit, how that happened. Well, what happened was I wanted a little more control and someone offered me uh, someone offered me a lot of money to move to another place. And I figured it would be a better world. But when I got there, grunge had really beaten the hell out of metal. And I didn't want to do grunge. And I just didn't know what to do. As a manager, I was doing great because I had Ministry, I had Anthrax. They were both doing very well. Ministry had sold like several million records with Psalm 69, you know, from nothing. Yeah, we groundbreaking exploded. record. And uh, we went through Filthy. But while all that was going on, my a and was very different than metal. You know, it was Warren Haynes we discovered, who is quite a success right now. Absolutely. It was Disco Biscuits, who have an over a million dollar, I'm sure, career. God bless them, I hope. You know, a year. You know, they do very well. They don't sell, it's not metal, it's, you know, right. a whole different world. But, you know, we were into different things. Fozzie, we signed, believe it or not. That's right. Oh, wow. Chris, Chris Jericho, yeah. We gave Fozzie his start, you know, but it was mostly jam bands and stuff like that. And uh, we had a great band, Nude Swirl. I remember them, yeah. They killed each other. They beat each other up on stage. It was the worst thing you ever saw in your life. They were so <laughs> great live. But, I, but they would fight in the middle of shows. I went to France. It was the Tour of Hate. <laughs> That's sad. Crazy. But they were so great live. And their album was so fantastic, you know. But, you know, it wasn't metal. When you brand yourself as a metal label, like, again, that's a another risk to kind of... It was a big risk. Yeah. Uh, Polygram was very upset with me that I didn't come with something really, you know, in my style, you know, it, and I was getting tired and... Well, that was a tough time, the 90s. Like you said, the grunge and alternative took over, so... You know, the metal, unless you were an established metal band, to sign a new metal band was, was very, very difficult at that time. Well, also, I was on the road a lot with ministry, etc. And I, I got to tell you something that really wore me thin. Looking after that guy would wear you thin. <laughs> yeah, Al Jurgensen, quite a character. <laughs> you know, I looked past all that and saw the, the genius all the time. I saw him in the studio. I saw him do things. I saw things that were only out joggers and stories. They were that good. It was as good as Washington cut down a cherry tree kind of shit. <laughs> he is just full of stories, which I've told none. And I leave it for Al to tell in his world one day. What can I say? You know, it, that's what happened to Megaforce, by the way. The management burnt me out. The 
unhappiness with what I was doing burnt me out. I wasn't having fun anymore. And I'm a firm believer. If you're not having fun, don't do it. Yep. Because yep. then it's grained. Then it's then a grain. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that was boy. across the board, John. That was across the board with uh, metal music. I mean, it, it was a tough 10 years. It was a tough 10 years. I found that all I was doing at Megaforce was paying royalties. I wasn't putting out new metal and nothing was doing very well. I came up with a concept to manage record companies. Nobody, I didn't even, don't know if I got into this in the book, started Megaforce MRI distributors. And we distributed a bunch of great labels. Yeah, I think I talk about it in the book. And we did very well. But anyway, that's, that's the story of Megaforce. It, the book has a happy ending because uh, living in New Hope, Pennsylvania was amazing at the end of the days, you know? Those of you who have never been to New Hope, Pennsylvania, <laughs> you can't imagine what a beautiful community it was. So when did you leave New Jersey, Johnny? I left New Jersey 27 years ago. Oh, wow, that long. And I moved to New Hope, Pennsylvania. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long ago. And John yeah, Gallagher, you... You left New Jersey when? I wasn't in Jersey very long at all. We moved, when we were doing Stay Hard, we moved up to Cortland, New York. Oh, okay. Oh, and we were, we were up there for about Upstate, four, yeah. three or four years, actually. Yeah. Ronnie James Dio territory, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, certain bands like Anthrax ended up, you went over to Ireland, and then uh, that was just prior to the Atlantic deal you had, correct, Johnny? No, I think uh, Anthrax was after Raven. I think, yeah, you know, I think it took the Atlantic deal for us took forever, and I think the Island deal took forever for Anthrax as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, you were selling a rough commodity that they really didn't understand. Well, you know who signed us, right? Larry Yasgar, the disco guy. Oh, you're kidding! I thought well, it was he, Jason Flom. Jason Flom was in rehab. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh man that that must have been a nightmare john because uh you know i remember during the 80s when the bands you know the major labels just really pushed it was when mtv was happening and radio and yeah, they just really yeah. pushed for that and yeah i think what matters is that it's now 30 some odd years later or more and raven remain one of the best touring bands in the world Absolutely. I, I think that a lot of us have gone through traumatic experiences, and what makes us strong is that we survived and we flourish. And Absolutely. Raven survive and flourish. And I sharpen my teeth on the skulls of my enemies. Yes. And Johnny, what about some of the other bands, Johnny Z? Uh, you know, Overkill, New Jersey, because a lot of the, uh, you really helped create the uh, the East Coast scene, you know, TT Quick. So many bands from that area that you introduced uh, to the world. Uh, 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 talk a little bit about the, the, the scene and the, on the East Coast there. I'm going to stop by this. I have, I'm sorry, but I have only a few more minutes I could give you. Okay. I hope you don't mind. But I could tell you that out of rock and roll heaven, that record store mecca that existed in East Brunswick, New Jersey... Bands like Anthrax came with their demos, and bands like Overkill came with their demos. Bands like Anthrax played in the area. Bands like Overkill played in the area. Bands like T.T. Quick 
played all over the place, you know, and they were they were amazing. Every night you saw them, you said, no, these guys are great. But you wanted to get involved with them. You wanted to help them in their careers and do things. So what you do is you bring them into your family, which was Megaforce Records, give them the best opportunity to get a product out there that they could be proud of, that people will love and fans will come and and love. And that's what you do. And that's what it was over and over and over again. Sometimes I was right. Sometimes I was wrong. All the time I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> well, of, of course. Well, dude, you introduced so many great bands, uh, not only Metallica, Anthrax, and Testament, Overkill. You brought over, of course, Merciful Fate. Raven. Raven, of course. I was going to mention, of course, from England. You brought <laughs> Raven over Exciter from from Canada, of course, SOD, uh, MOD, uh, you know, you, you brought back to life Ace Freely, uh, introduced to the world King's X, Ministry, you brought back to life. So many, so many great bands. Uh, I know you, you don't have a lot of time left here, John. Anything else you want to talk about as far as the uh, new book and your career? And of course, the new book, once again, titled uh, Heavy Tales, the Metal, the Music, the Madness as lived by John Zazula. Look, it's fun. That's what I think. It's a fun product. And I think the bonus is a lot of fun. And I told them to please keep the price down as much as you can. It's on sale right now in pre-order. I know the physical CDs and all that stuff comes in October all over the world of the product that's coming out exclusively on Audible for three months. And that's the end of that. I also want to say that this was a real privilege for me to sit with my dear friend, John Gallagher, who I love more than anything. And I'm just proud to be in the same meeting with him once again. And you Bob, see that? thank you for having us. You see that, Bob? 20 books will get you anything. See that? <laughs> Appreciate that, man. Then just from, from my point of view, you know, again, and I mean, I think the two of you really helped shape what metal music and thrash metal has become. If it wasn't for the two of you guys, it would have been a whole different story. And I think it's important for all the listeners to understand your importance in the in the metal community, the, the two of you guys, seriously. Thank you, Bob. Absolutely. And Johnny, so the, the best way people to get a hold of it is through audible.com or the, I guess they could get it through Amazon. Amazon, audible.com. It all ends up at audible.com. But Amazon has it on sale, I, I think, right now a little cheaper, maybe. I got to take this call. I got to go. Okay, Johnny Z. Take care, Johnny Z. We'll talk soon. Bye. And John Gallagher, before you leave, just give the listeners a little insight about the new record coming out in September, The New Raven. Yes, sir. New album's called Metal City. And I believe we're looking at a September 18th release. We are probably putting a single out in next month and maybe release a track right before the actual album comes out. So building up on that. But the album, is, it's been kind of a, a nightmare to put together. It took forever. We had so many problems, but we didn't care because, you know, the songs were just on point. The energy, I mean, this is the first studio record with Mike Keller playing drums for us. If anyone's heard our live record that we put out last year, I mean, that was like the perfect introduction as to where this studio album is going. 
you take that and bottle it and put it in the studio. And the people who have heard the record so far just give me like a slack expression with their jaws down going, what the fuck was that? They're like knocked out. They can't believe it. So it's it's like one foot is in 1982 wiped out and the other foot is in the 21st century. And we've really captured that energy and craziness. And I mean, there's a lot of fast songs on this. But the, the one thing is it's it's the perfect blend where you've got the speed, you've got the structure, you've got the craziness, and you've got the melody. You know, it's it's structured so that it hits you on the head hard and then it just keeps doing it every damn song. We've got rock and roll things in there. We've got fast speed. We've got a, a doomy epic thing right at the end. So we're just really, really happy with it. But um, we need someone to mix it. We were on a cruise with Michael Wagner. And, hey, Michael, would you like to mix Oh, absolutely. I said, great. So we'll get Michael to mix it. We just need to record it. And then he gets in touch with me. He says, when are you going to have this done? I says, well, I'm not sure why. He says, well, I'm going in for heart surgery. So I need it all done by, I think it was April. And it was like, oh, what are we going to do? Mike Studio's not going to be ready till July. And he just said, well, why don't you come down here? Let's do it here. All right. So we, we did it with Michael in Nashville. Nashville, yeah. And it was, in, I mean, incredible, incredible. He's still the guy. He's still, you know, as crazy as ever. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he, he's the guy for guitar, especially. Oh, he's one of my guy. favorite producers and mixers. Yeah. yeah. So, so underrated. we got that all together. We got it mixed. We actually weren't enamored of the mix. It, it needed... A different approach so we we got this guy called zeus who's been working with uh rob zombie and a bunch of other people he did a test and it was we were blown away and like yeah go for it and he just brought out what needed to be brought out you know everything is there you can hear what everyone's doing but it's fat loud and nasty <laughs> all right the way it should be right john Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. And what label is? Are you doing this on your own label? No, this is coming out on SPV Steam Hammer. World. Oh, awesome! Awesome! Very yep. cool. We've been planning our world domination with this for the last three years, so it's it's great to have it finally come together. You know. All right, and hopefully, when all this shit dies down, we'll get to see Raven back on tour. Because nothing better than seeing Raven live. I I saw you the last few times. You did some fantastic tours, of course, with Diamond Head a few years ago, and more recently with Slow Fag. I believe was the last tour you did here in the states, and uh, always, always a killer bill and a killer show. Yeah, we're all set to go. I mean, this this stuff that's basically booked, whether it'll come off or not, depends on what happens. If it's not opening up and they're doing this, hey, it's a 500-seat hall, you can have 25 people in it. That ain't, <laughs> ain't going to work for anybody. Yeah, yeah. So well, it, Everyone's in the same boat, so we'll just wait and see what happens. And, you know, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. It will be. I think things will get back to normal soon enough. Well, John Gallagher, once again, always a pleasure and great having you and Johnny Z on together. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, uh, we will definitely be in touch, my friend. Absolutely, Bob. You take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. Subscribe and listen to all episodes by going to our pages on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, Spotify, and more. You can listen to all other episodes and access up to 
up-to-date information and news on the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast by going to our website at www.shockwaveskullsessions.com. Email all comments, questions, and suggestions to shockwaveskullsessions at gmail.com. The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Hey, this is Jill from the Container Store. Oh. Is there something wrong? I just thought a virtual designer would be a cool robot. I could do a robot voice if that helps. Maybe? Hi, I am Jill. Let's design. Nope, absolutely not. Regular voice, thank you. Yeah, I'm not good at impressions. Enjoy free virtual in-home closet design and up to 25% off closet systems with the Container Store's custom closet sale. The Container Store, where space comes from.